1: Audie Idala, during those Jeffrey Epstein days. Audie, have you seen that documentary yet? And if you haven't, I have to tell you, and I'm uploading smoke up Dershowitz's ass a thousand times better than I ever could have imagined. What's up, my man? I was actually in Machu Picchu, Peru <laughs>
0: when I know. the airing of that of that thing. My parents went, my mom and dad were there, and my love partner, Judge Cammons was there. Uh, I haven't seen it, and there's another one coming out on. I think it's on Newsmax. It's like an hour and a half long documentary that I apparently I'm I, I'm featured in. Look, one of the greatest compliments. I'm going to sound like Sid Rosenberg. One of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten in my life, and I, <laughs> this is this is the truth. The New York Times did a big two page spread on me in the cover of the business section, and there's a picture of Dershowitz and myself, and Alan Dershowitz's quote is. Arthur Idala is the next me. Wow. Meaning I'm the next challenger. Oh, wow, that's so a big Alan, deal. Alan didn't like it cuz he said it made him sound like an egomaniac, but he's so far from an egomaniac. Anyone who knows him for 5 minutes uh knows that he is he's is the most down-to-earth regular guy, always there to help, but he's got a he's got a golden brain and he is so tenacious. You know, I've besides I've having represented him, I've worked on, I still work on cases side by side with him. And even when the judge says no and rules against us, Alan doesn't stop. He keeps arguing and arguing. And he may not turn the judge's head all the way around, but he usually gets something back. And that's that old school Jewish Italian, because my old man's got the same thing as well. You never give up. You never accept defeat, and you just keep fighting and fighting. And last night, my wife's best friend, Lisa Weinstein, calls me, and she's like, "I know you're close for Dershowitz with Dershowitz. I want you to tell him that I mean, he spoke at my wedding she and Lisa was in our party wedding party. she was, "I want you to tell him I will work for free and what he's doing for Israel, how he's become the spokesperson for this. I will do anything he wants. I'll be his secretary. I'll deliver papers for him. I'll read things for him. Everyone is talking about what an unbelievable job." he has done over the last, uh, I guess it's six weeks now.
1: No, he's done a very good job. I mean, one of the things that did disappoint me in the documentary was they had three or four people that uh, narrated quite a bit throughout the movie. And outside of Alan, the person that appears most in the movie is Ron Cooby. And I know, uh, I know, Alan. Man. yeah, so your Alan. Man. Right, so Alan loves Israel. This is why he has not done the best job. I've done the best job because I can <laughs> promise you that I've never put Ron Kuby in a documentary, especially when you consider that Ron Kuby took not six days, not six months, but six hours to put on his Facebook page, basically sympathizing with the Palestinian people and almost almost saying Israel deserved what they got. That's a, that's well, a true you story. You
0: can't blame Dershowitz for having Kuby in there, because I can tell you for a fact, Dershowitz had very, very little to do with that with that documentary. Um, believe me. I... No,
1: no, actually, it's funny, because we had dinner afterwards with uh, Alan and his wife, who is a uh, lovely, but I would really have thought for the most, uh, most, most of the night. She hated me because she despises Donald Trump, and I love him. But um, Alan even said at dinner... I'm not going to talk to him anymore, and I wouldn't have put him in the movie if I would have known, but the the guy who made the movie, who was there at dinner too, he's a sweet guy, John Curtin, he liked Kuby's role. But listen, it is what it is. I do want to get to the poly prep scandal. Uh, You went to poly, you were a little younger than me, me and Tacopino, of course, in the same grade, but this really horrendous story comes out about Jet, uh, of course, uh, legendary quarterback Joe Namath a couple days ago that uh, Phil Foglietta who was the football coach at Poly Prep. And we know he was kind of the high school version of what Jerry Sandusky did alongside Joe Paterno at Penn State. Sandusky was guilty of raping some of his players. And that is allegedly what Phil Faglietta did at Poly Prep. And according to the latest story, Joe Namath knew about this, knew what Faglietta was doing, turned a blind eye, and continued to have Faglietta work at his camp, what do you know about this story, and well, how embarrassing I mean, is it for Poly Prep?
0: It's look the embarrassment for Poly Prep, which I, it's a school that I love, it, and literally some of my closest friends are still from Poly Prep. Um, it. it God bless you for using the word allegedly, because you're like. Now you sound like the lawyer. Know, you know how many times Danielle? You know
1: how many times texted me when I tell a story. She literally texts me and goes, "Say allegedly, say allegedly." She's right.
0: Yeah, no, but with Foglietta, with it's not allegedly anymore, um, and it really, it never was. It's a hard thing to say, but it's we kind of all knew. There was something going on. I mean, Coach, what you have to understand is he was one of the winningest coaches in in high school sports, and he was like a god walking around the campus, and everyone feared him, um, but he always had like two or three boys around him. Typically, they weren't football players. They were like the manager of the team or the statistician of the team. But somehow or another, even at 13, 14, 15, you remember he had that cage in the back when he would sit in the locker room like, I knew somehow or another, like, don't go back there alone. Now, I wasn't one of his targets. His targets was tep- typically young boys who did not have dads. And I had a very prominent father. So I was – uh, he wasn't really going to mess with me. But uh, it was kind of known. And through the years, now, with all of these lawsuits coming out, and Polly's had to play millions of dollars, um, it's come out that some some people, some coaches at the school knew that – and, and I'm not saying they walked in and they saw it, but they knew or should have known. And everyone knew that if you were really good and, he, and and coach loved you, you get to go to Joe Namath's camp. And don't forget, this is only 10 years after he won the Super Bowl, not decades. And like, wow, to go to Joe Namath's camp with coach, it's the greatest thing you could do. And apparently when he was there, he was doing horrible things. And again, it's something where Joe Namath knew or should have known that, you know, why is this guy hanging out with a 12 year old boy at, at, in this location at this time, and it's you know it's it's heart wrenching because a couple of these guys have killed themselves. One guy who I know I represented became a drug addict because when you're 12, 13, 14 years old and a big prominent coach is touching you in your private place, parts so many times that you've gotten calluses or, or, or sores on it. It's it's absolutely horrific. So it's a it's a horrible mark on the school that I loved so much. But it's a reality, and God willing, with modern technology and people being more aware of these things, something like this you know, will never happen again anyway.
1: You know, you said a couple of times it's a horrible blemish for Polly, and it, and it has been for many, many years. Uh, so uh, nothing is new with Polly. The, the story now becomes Joe Namath. I mean, you look at the history of great athletes in New York even now five decades after the Jets beat the Baltimore Colts in Super Bowl III. When you talk about the greatest New York sports legends, I don't care if you mention Derek Jeter. I don't care if you mention Mickey Mantle, Lawrence Taylor. It doesn't matter. Joe Namath always at the top of the list. If, that turns, if this story turns out to be even a little true, Joe Namath's legacy is absolutely destroyed. I, I'm respectfully
0: disagreeing with you. I, Lawrence Taylor, Trump's. Uh, Joe Namath, any day of the week. The book just came out. The, uh, 100, the book just came out. I bought it on Sunday. The greatest 100 uh, NFL listen, players. Listen, listen, listen. And the greatest defensive player in listen, the book is then,
1: Taylor, with no, two Super Bowls. No one has more uh, respect for LT than me. It's not even close. Joe Namath won a Super Bowl with a team that was a 17-point underdog. And Joe Namath is the reason why you've got the modern-day NFL because he was integral in the AFL-NFL merger. So while Lawrence was maybe a better player, certainly was, and revolutionized the linebacker position, when you talk about the most important figures in the history of the league, it ain't LT, it's Joe Namath. So the question Uh, is, is his whole legacy destroyed after a story like this? The only
0: reason why I might say no is because it, it happened so long ago. So it's like when you and I complain about these women who come forward 30 years later and say somebody did something, You know, like, okay, kid, you're 62 now, this guy is who's complaining. You were 12 when this happened. Like, you know, where where have you been for 50 years, like literally 50 years? So that diminishes somewhat of the impact of all of this. And I don't think – I don't know if there's any evidence saying, you know, Joe Namath opened the door and there's Coach Foglietta naked with a kid. I think it's more of – You should have surmised from all the circumstances around you what was going on, and you should have put it on.
1: Let me remind you that they took away coaching victories and a lot of the wins from Joe Paterno for just being there as well. In other words, they didn't have any of that proof on Paterno either when Jerry Sandusky was doing what he was doing, but they came to the realization there's no way he couldn't have known.